0: You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse. Here's your host, Dr. Farhad Zangana, Medical Director of the Endocrine, Diabetes, and Osteoporosis Clinic, EDOC, in Sterling, Virginia. Dr. Zangana also serves on the Board of Directors of the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists, AACE.
1: You're listening to Reach MD, and this is Diabetes Discourse. I'm Dr. Farhad Zangene your host, and with me today is Dr. Robert Bush, a practicing endocrinologist and the founding member of the Diabetes Group in Albany, New York. He has enthusiastically enjoyed teaching medical students, pharmacists, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, and physicians for over 25 years. He's a principal investigator in numerous clinical trials. Today we are discussing incretin treatment options, current and what's new in the pipeline. Dr. Bosch, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me, Fred.
1: Uh, so can you tell us uh, what the incretins are and what's, uh, what is the big deal uh, in the setting of diabetes?
0: So the incretin effect is that when patients take calories by mouth versus taking calories IV, you'll put out more insulin when you take calories by mouth. And what happens is the pharmaceutical companies can leverage this very important hormone either by stopping the breakdown of your own uh, incretin or by actually giving you the incretin. And by doing that, they could lower blood sugar in a very effective way, but without weight gain and with the injectables, with weight loss, as well as excellent benefit to the diabetes and some other benefits beyond that as well.
1: This is very interesting. Can you also tell us about um, what is the likelihood of getting a a low blood sugar episode, for example, with with these new classes of drugs?
0: Right. What's so remarkable about this class of drug and why so many pharmaceutical companies are coming up with either the oral types or the injectable types is that there's almost a safety net that the pancreas only puts out insulin in response to if the sugar is elevated. If the sugar isn't elevated, the pancreas doesn't put out insulin. This is very different than some of the traditional meds we have for diabetes, sulfonylurea, which has been out for many years, or taking insulin, where those types of drugs can unfortunately bottom out the patient's sugar and then lead to hypoglycemia and its consequences, where the patient could be very uncomfortable or in some cases not sense the hypoglycemia and the patient passes out. And that's why many patients always carry around some candy with them.
1: Uh, that's very, very interesting. Can you also uh, tell us uh, uh, these, uh, the incretins? They're available as oral as well as injectables, the orals, the DPPs, and the injectables, the GLPs. What are the differences, and how do you, how do you select, uh, select these uh, uh, as you uh, begin your choices for patients with diabetes?
0: So there are three oral DPP-4 inhibitors, and they are pills, uh... in addition they are also combined with metformin or glucophage which is one of the most common diabetes drugs Uh, What's nice about those is they're oral, they have very few side effects, they don't cause any weight gain, and in general, they don't add any additional baggage to what glucophage or metformin does. So whatever the side effects of glucophage or metformin are, when you add these drugs to that, there's usually no uh, extra ill effect from the medicine, but you do get the benefit of lowering the sugar without bottoming out the sugar and they're weight neutral. So you help get the average blood sugar or hemoglobin A1C towards goal, but without any additional risk of hypoglycemia or any extra burden to the patient. Now, the injectables, Those uh, there are three injectables. There is biata, which is twice a day. There is weekly biata, that is once a week. And then there is Victoza, that is once a day. Those are given by injections. Two of them are given by a pen injector. The third, the patient has to reconstitute it, draw up and inject it on a once-weekly basis. The nice thing about those drugs is you get the additional benefit of weight loss and those drugs tend to be more effective than their oral counterparts. So those drugs, you get better sugar reduction, again, no hypoglycemia, and you get the other very big side benefit of weight loss, which as we know is so important in patients with diabetes because usually they are
1: overweight. Wouldn't you say that management of diabetes has become, um, has become complex and we have more tools in our armamentarium in helping patients reach their glycemic goals?
0: Right. Things are very different than when we started in practice years ago where we may have had one or two choices to give the patient pill-wise or insulin-wise. And now we have a tantalizing array of drugs that we could use to get to goal, and you individualize the therapy based on that patient. If the patient is, say, closer to sugar goal and not overweight, I might use one of the oral incretin therapies that we talked about, the DPP-4. However, if the patient were somewhat or significantly overweight and at a higher average sugar, then I'd use the injectable one to leverage the benefit of the greater benefit of lowering sugar and lowering weight with the injectables than the oral.
1: So, So for our listeners and for patients listening, if you're overwhelmed with your diabetes management and if you're having a number of low blood sugar reactions as well as weight gain. Uh, Dr. Bush, wouldn't you advise uh, maybe a regrouping back with the physician just to review uh, what they're on and what additional modifications can be made to the uh, therapeutic regimen?
0: Definitely. So don't, you know, sometimes physicians in general just like in any field, we get comfortable with the good old stuff that we've used for years but some of these innovative medications have certain significant benefits and as you brought up the key benefits of these drugs are you don't get hypoglycemic with them. So you could transition to one of these from your current regimen if your current regimen uh, is causing hypoglycemia and maybe try to get off of the medicine that is causing the hypoglycemia, such as the sulfonylurea or the insulin that you might be on. So there are great possibilities with these new drugs that even though they're uh, new and innovative, obviously every medication has a potential uh, risk or side effect and has potential benefit, but there shouldn't be fear that just because something is new, I'm not going to take it for many years because these drugs are before the FDA. Many other companies are working on other similar drugs like these with different innovations, and they offer tremendous opportunities for our patients to get to good sugar control without the risk of hypoglycemia and in light of the injectables with the benefit of further weight reduction.
1: For those that uh, are just tuning in, you're listening to the Diabetes Discourse on REACH MD. I'm Dr. Farhad Zangane, and I'm speaking with Dr. Robert Bush, and we are talking about current and future incotin treatment, treatment options. Uh, so, Dr. Bush, uh, can you share with me uh, what do you do uh, when your patients have fear of injections? Let's say you are planning to offer them uh, the once daily or the once weekly or the twice daily, and uh, patients ask you if this is insulin or fear of needles how do you uh, how do you overcome that with your patients
0: or two-prong approach. One, I try to delve into what is their fear. A lot of people who remember their relatives on insulin, they misattribute the, the, their relatives' blindness or kidney failure or other complications from the insulin injections, not from the poorly controlled diabetes. And sometimes going through that myth and re-enhancing why, you know, it wasn't the insulin, it was that the diabetes didn't have many options back then and the diabetes wasn't treated aggressively. But the other thing is these many mini- needles don't really hurt the finger sticks might hurt a little bit but the mini needles patients can barely feel feel them what I personally do is if the patient is very fearful you know I show the needle to them at arm's length distance they could barely see it and personally, I'll go out of the room and then walk in the room with the ejection in myself walking in say see it's no big deal doesn't hurt at all I'll inject myself not giving the medicine because I don't have diabetes, but showing how easy it is to give and you don't really feel it. And then once the patient takes their first injection, no one fears their second dose of these medications because they realize the first dose of the injection, you can't even feel the needle. Most of them don't even realize it went in because they can't feel the needle at all because these are very, very tiny needles. So it's, I think it's the fear of the myth of insulin was bad because the relative had side effects, not from the insulin, but from the Diabetes and also the fear of the needle until you take one injection, then you realize it's no big deal.
1: Very, very interesting. And so, uh, for our listeners, I just want to make sure we are speaking about type 2 diabetes and uh, what's new in the, uh, in the setting of type 2 diabetes. And we are talking with Dr. Robert Bush on Incretins. So, uh, Dr. Bush, can you tell us uh, so, what's uh, uh, can, you be, can the Incretins be used for type 1?
0: Well, the incretins are not FDA approved for type 1, but as we both know, we use medications appropriately for the right patient based on our own knowledge of how the drug works. So, for example, in some type 1s who might be gaining weight on the insulin or are overweight and whose average sugar is high, These drugs have been used in published literature, and we both do it professionally with our patients to use them in type 1s, but that is called off-label use. Sometimes managed care plans won't cover that. Sometimes they do, but if it makes sense for the patient to try to get to better A1C goal, to make their diabetes a little less brittle so it doesn't bounce up and down during the day, we often do use these medications in the type 1 patient as well.
1: Uh, very, very true. And, uh, and of course, uh, it's very important to know that uh, incretins are not insulin and they're not a substitute uh, for, for insulin. Uh, so, um, Ed, so what is the future for diabetes? Are we going to be more complex or more simple, or uh, where are we going uh, as far as if you have to guess what's happening?
0: Well, I think these drugs make it, uh, even though there's new drugs, I think it makes it a lot easier to manage the diabetes. I know you and I are endocrinologists and I'm in a very large group and you're in an area where there are many endocrinologists. I don't think we'll be unemployed but these drugs make it a lot easier even for our primary care colleagues to utilize because they don't, the, the doctor doesn't fear hypoglycemia when you're giving these drugs. You get to goal very easy. The patient doesn't have to keep upping the dose of the medicine like they do with insulin to get to goal. These drugs sort of self-titrate once, once you're on the drug. You know, there are a couple of different doses of the Victosa once a day one, but the weekly Bieta is one size fits all one dose. I think what we'll see in the future is other innovations with these medications. Uh, There may be one that is once a month. I know there's a comp- they're working on an implantable little thing that's put under the skin where it delivers three months of a Biata-like medication. There are many other companies coming out with their weekly or monthly type of, of incretin therapy. The others is they're going to be combining them with insulin. I know that Victoza in the future will likely be combined with a new type of basal insulin. So in one injection, you'll have one injection giving you the insulin and the Victoza in the same injection and other companies will be doing the same thing. Say with Lantus, will have their brand of incretin that they're going to be injecting with the same injection where you'll have what's called basal bolus therapy where the insulin lowers the wake-up sugar and the injectable incretin will lower the post-meal sugar and it will offset the weight gain that the insulin might have by lowering appetite. So there are tremendous innovations that will simplify the management of diabetes as long as the caregiver understands how to use the medicine properly has experience using it and using it appropriately in the patient who, who it can be used in
1: so if you have type two diabetes, uh, do you really need to see an endocrinologist or is it, uh, or are you, or is seeing your primary care team uh, uh, adequate? What do you think
0: So your primary care team, if they are up to date on the recent therapies. Uh, and, and, and uh, have the same goals that we have and they have access to the same medications that we have, they certainly can do a very fine job. But, of course, diet and exercise are key, potentially seeing a diabetes educator, a nutritionist, and those are things sometimes endocrinology offices have those people access to them, but primary care has the same access. And diabetes is so common, it would be impossible for everyone with diabetes to see an endocrinologist, but fortunately, these new innovative drugs make it a lot easier to manage the diabetes, and it certainly could be done by your primary care physician.
1: Very, very interesting. Uh, most most experts uh, argue that you need to reach near normal blood sugars without low blood sugar and without uh, or with minimal weight gain. Do you do you agree with this uh, philosophy?
0: Well, near normalizing the blood sugar without hypoglycemia and with minimal weight gain or weight loss would be great. But as we both know, it's not one size fits all that you give different strategies for different patients. If you have an 85-year-old who's had a lot of complications from diabetes who might have had a heart attack or other complications, kidney disease, you might be less aggressive than someone who is brand-new onset of diabetes at age 40 where they have a long life expectancy uh, uh, in the future, and uh, you can make a lot of headway trying to normalize the sugar in terms of lowering the risk of eye, kidney, and nerve disease, and maybe with some of the newer medications, even lowering the risk of heart disease in addition to the cholesterol lowering and blood pressure lowering.
1: Well, very, very interesting, and I can, I can uh, listen to you, my friend, all day. Uh, very interesting. This was, this was very enlightening. Unfortunately, we have come to the end of our discussion. Many thanks to my, uh, my good friend and our guest today, Dr. Robert Bush. We have been discussing incotin treatment options for people with type 2 diabetes and uh, what's in the pipeline. I'm Dr. Fahad Zangane, and you've been listening to the Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com com/slash diabetes featuring podcasts of this as well as other series. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download this segment, go to reachmd.com/forward/slash diabetes.